The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to NBA Finals File with Robert Ori and Jabari Davis. I am Jabari, former NBA writer, current podcaster, and I'm joined by seven-time champ, big shot Bob himself, Robert Ori. What's up, Jabari? I'm so happy to be here today because we got a special guest coming on. I call him Fred, but his name is not Fred, but I'm going to let you introduce him. Yes, <laughs> as, as you mentioned, a very, very special guest, the specialist of guests. Joining the show, former Lakers beat writer for the LA Daily News, current senior writer for Sports Illustrated, and the host of the crossover podcast, Howard Beck. Thanks so much for joining us, Howard. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Excited for this. I'm very excited, you know. I, and I, only Rob can call me Fred, <laughs> by the way. Okay. Hey, I love the fact that your your your, your podcast is called the crossover. I'm not even gonna go because there. you don't think I could pull a crossover <laughs> myself. I don't think you I, have a crossover in wow. your repertoire, but we'll let that slide. That's for another day. <laughs> it's a metaphor. It's just a yeah, metaphor. Rob, how you gonna tag the guests as we as we introduce them? <laughs> but you know, this this is the thing though. I have so much love for all those guys who covered us um back when I was with the Lakers because these guys that we had covering us, they were good guys. And they they would come to you if there was something that was kind of sketchy and talk to you about it before they went to press with it. So that's why I got a love for a lot of love for these guys. I can completely understand that. Okay. So let's go ahead and jump into it. On today's show, we are going to deep dive into the 2000 NBA finals between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Indiana Pacers. This is MVP Peak Shaq. Number one in scoring, number two in rebounds, number three in block shots, four assists a game almost. And only three people played more minutes as you were leading your team to 67 victories. It's a pleasure to watch you grow 
Congratulations, 1999-2000 NBA MVP Shaquille O'Neal. From this day on, I would like to be known as the Big Aristotle. <laughs> because it was Aristotle who said, excellence is not a singular act, but a habit. You are what you repeatedly do. And still young, crazy talented Kobe, along with, you know, the one and only Robert Ory versus Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose, and Mark Jackson leading the Pacers. So, guys, let's go ahead and jump into the historical significance of this matchup. We've got Phil Jackson. It's its seventh NBA Finals as a head coach, if I'm not mistaken. It's Larry Bird's first shot on this side of things. It's Shaq and Kobe. It's their first finals together. Obviously, it's Shaq's second. But, Howard, let's go directly to you. What was the general feeling about this matchup heading into the series, at least amongst the media? Well, you know, it's funny to think about this uh, looking back with you know 22 years uh, of of gap in between because as Rob will attest like we look back now through this rose colored prism of it was a dynasty we know that and all, that's all people today if they didn't live through it would know they won three straight so they were dominant they weren't always that dominant. Domination by the experienced Utah Jazz against the youthful, talented Los Angeles Lakers. And nothing was ever assured. And the thing I remember most about the first championship in 2000 is that this thing always felt like it was like just, you know, a, a fraction away from falling apart. Um, did everybody pick the Lakers to beat the Pacers in the finals? I think probably close to unanimous outside of the state of Indiana. And the Lakers had won 67 games. Certainly that's a dominant number. No team that had ever won that many games or more had ever not won a championship, I I believe. They had uh, winning streaks within that season of 16 games, 19 games, 11 games. And it was the first year under Phil Jackson. But listen, at the beginning of that season, it was the triangle offense takes time. It's going to take time to adapt to Phil Jackson. Don't expect a championship in year one. Kobe's still really young at that point. Uh, And that they won 67 games was already, I think, a bit of a surprise for a lot of people because the Lakers of Shaq and Kobe in their early years had been seen as kind of underachievers. On top of that, this is this is the premise for going into the finals. This team was flirting with disaster the entire postseason. First round, back then, is a best of five. They beat Sacramento. It's a 1-8 matchup. They beat him the first two games. They lose the next two in Sacramento. Suddenly, they're facing a possible elimination in game five at home, but they blew him out. It was fine, but still, flirting with disaster. Round two, they go up 3-0 on the Suns, get their butts just kicked out of the gym in game four, can't close it out. Phil Jackson has the world's shortest press conference after that one. And then, of course, the Western Conference Finals against a very deep, very talented Portland Trailblazers team. Shaq doesn't do it today. Everything he's accomplished this year goes up in smoke. That's what the MVP is all about. They're up 3-1. to one. Can't close it out in Game 5. Can't close it out in Game 6. Suddenly it's Game 7. And oh, by the way, Game 7, as we know, they're down 15 points in the fourth quarter at home. This is a 15-point game. The Lakers are at their mercy right now. They totally collapsed. The Trailblazers have blown it open. The Staples Center is sitting in stunned silence. Incredible comeback capped by, of course, that iconic Kobe to Shaq lob. Kobe on the move. Lobs for O'Neal. For the dunk. Kobe Bryant worked into the lane and Shaq hammered it in with the right hand. Portland can put the champagne away and get out the bottled water because that's all they're going to drink on their way home. Back from the brink of elimination to the brink of the NBA. 
There was Shaquille again, like he, like we had ridden his back all year, found a way to catch it and bring it down and, and come out of that crowd under the basket, you know, as animated as ever. And you talk about growing up and conquering demons all in one, one 12-minute swoop. But still, flirting with disaster. So did we just assume the Lakers would beat the Pacers in the finals? They were favored. They had Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> had some pretty nice role hey, players. We were, we were favored, man. We were favored. You know, we. You know, it's L.A. You need the drama. You need the suspense. So <laughs> we were just trying to keep up with all the Joneses because all the actors <laughs> that would come to the game, we just wanted them to, hey, we know how to add some little drama to the thing just like you do. You guys, you guys did it well. And thank you for the compliment earlier, Rob. You, when you say that we weren't looking for salacious stories, we didn't have to look for them or dig them up. You guys just provided them naturally. So, you know. I got to be honest with you. I was kind of thinking the same thing because I was like, hey, I watched this as a fan and I remember a ton of stories that were, you, know, came, you came from those teams. But to, to kind of to the point, you know, uh, some of the points that you just made, you know, given the fact that you were a beat writer, you know, covering the team. Well, let me ask this. Did you cover the previous years prior to this one? You know, were you were you covering 97, 98, 99, and, and, and so on? Yeah, so my first year covering the Lakers for the LA Daily News was the 97, 98 season. So that's Shaq and Kobe's second year together, but kind of the first one where a lot of a lot of the key role players had come in. Like the the outline of what we think of that era, where it's just not just Shaq and Kobe, but D. Fish, Rob, Rick Fox, Brian Shaw, Ron Harper, like all that's it's it's all kind of coming together piece by piece over those those couple of years. But yeah, I started in 97, 98. So I got to see them. <clears throat> Sorry, Rob, I'm gonna give you a lot of PTSD in this on this podcast, but like got saw them swept by the Jazz in 98, saw them swept by the Spurs in 99. Everybody was down. Everybody was upset. But I can honestly say we weren't close to being a championship caliber team. Dell Harris being fired, Kurt Rambis being installed, and then Kurt being pushed aside for Phil Jackson. A lot of tumult in those first couple of years. Plus, 98-99 was the lockout season, and so that was its own brand of weirdness. And, oh, yeah, Dennis Rodman came and went for about 30 days. Oh, I, I was going to say, don't forget the Dennis Rodman experience <laughs> because that was an adventure in itself. Oh, yeah. I, I'm actually, I, I'll ask both of you guys this. It, with the added pressure of those previous playoff failures, was there a sense that, that there was an added level of pressure given the expectations, especially after such a dominant regular season in Phil Jackson's first year with the team? I'll go first on this one. Um, I, I, for us, we were just happy to get out of the West. You know, what we said, we get out of the West, the East is no problem. So it wasn't any pressure. The pressure was like, okay, we need to go out and perform, which everybody everybody has that pressure. But I think it was so much pressure playing at home. It was so much, you know, put upon us because it's like, hey, Phil Jackson, he had Michael Jordan, he had Scottie Pippen. He's going to win a championship. Now we got you know, Shaq, we got Kobe. We should win a championship. And so it, you had that pressure. And people think that we worry about you know the fans, the media, and that aspect. We worry about each other more, going out and performing for your fellow teammate because you never want to let them down. You want to go out and do your best. And, and we were that type of team. You know, you hear all the rumors throughout the years about the Shaq-Kobe feud. And for me, I... And as teammates, we never experienced that in the locker room. We never experienced that on the bus. We never experienced that on the floor. Because if you look, when you win championships, the person you closest with, that's the person, the first person you hug. And every time we won a championship, you know, Shaq and Kobe hug. So it, it was, to me, there was really no pressure externally. It was always pressure internally. 
What was the dynamic between Shaq and Kobe at this point in their respective careers? Obviously, Kobe's still very, you know, very early in his career. Shaq, you know, he had a couple more years in the league. What was the actual dynamic? No, the dynamic was good. Um, they understood. It's just the thing about sports and especially in basketball. We all know our pecking order. Um, we know who the go-to guy is and who's second, who's third and fourth and so on and so on. And I think Shaq understood down the stretch when we need a creative basket. He was always breaking a play and going to set a pick and roll for Kobe. Because think about it, Shaq and Kobe in a pick and roll, that's hard to stop. And Kobe also knew when Shaq had, you know, the the best matchup, go to him. And think about it, Shaq was averaging 35 plus points in this series. So he knew the matchup. And it was always a pecking order. So there was no, there was never any, you know, few when it came to that, because each and every guy on the team knew their place. I do want to note one other quick thing, because you had asked about pressure going into that first year once Phil Jackson arrived. Did it raise the expectation level because of Phil's resume? Yes, but I wrote this a couple of years ago when I was writing about the lob and, and that game seven against Portland. Before the season, Sports Illustrated had picked the Spurs to win the championship. They were they had Duncan and Robinson. They had just won. They picked them to repeat. The Lakers, they ranked third in the West behind the Spurs and Portland. Vegas had the Spurs over uh, the Lakers. Um, a lot of teams, a lot of places had picked either the Blazers or the Spurs. The LA Times, the LA Times, the hometown paper ranked the Lakers fifth in the West before the 99-2000 season behind San Antonio, Did Portland, they? Utah, and Phoenix. I think they were enamored with that uh, <laughs> Jason Kidd, Penny Hardaway backcourt or something. Um <laughs> But that like it's a so, good thing I didn't good thing I didn't read the paper back then. Sometimes it, sometimes it be your own, Rob. Sometimes it be your own. I wish I would have. Now to have more motivation. <laughs> but it, it's just to say that um, Phil plus Shaq plus Kobe plus great role players, yes, equals three championships. But at that time, it was still people were still kind of a wait and see thing with the Lakers. There, those those flameouts, I think, were still fresh in people's memory. You know. I, I, it was so weird, Howard, that you say all this stuff. And everybody put so much onus on the triangle. And, oh, it's going to take a time to learn. And it really wasn't that hard if you knew how to play basketball. And the thing about our team is we had a lot of veteran smart players. So the triangle is pretty easy. It's just that we tried to please feel so much and run it to a T that sometimes we let that slow us down. Because you can see when we played sometimes – we was like robots, like, get here, get there, cut there, cut there. <laughs> and as you go through the years, you can see how guys got more comfortable and got the no feel. It was like, oh, nobody's perfect. We make a mistake, so be it. So I think that has a lot, had a lot to do with the first years and everybody's like putting so much onus on the triangle and being so difficult. If you have smart players, there's nothing that's difficult to do. All right, let's get to the matchup. Uh, the path to the finals for the Lakers, obviously the previous year, as, as has already been mentioned, they were swept in the second round by the Spurs. This year they finished 67-15 and 15, uh, and finished first in the Pacific Division. In the postseason, you know, as Howard you know, eloquently you know, broke down, 3-2 over the Kings, 4-1 over the Suns, uh, and then 4-3 in that epic showdown in, 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 the, in the Western Conference Finals against the Blazers. You know what? I, I know we're running long. Let's go. Th- let's go there really quickly. Is that actually the start of this thing? I, I think I think it was it it, it had been forming. Um, if you look back at that last game in the form, and to hear the Spurs um, talk about how we shut the form down, we beat them the last game in the form. It hurt. 
because we know the history of the Lakers and what has started in the form. And now we're going into a new building. So we was like, hey, you know what? We got to start our own thing. We got to start our history. You know, this is even though this is not not showtime. You know, we got to start starting this new Laker dynasty and this new image in the Staples. And I think that's what that was in the back of my mind. I can't speak for everyone, but that was all in my head that hey, we got to start something new, and we have the team to do it. Yeah, I think that comeback against the Blazers, given as I was saying earlier, how shaky the whole postseason had been, and you're still not sure they're going to break through. So the comeback in the fourth quarter of Game 7 against the Blazers and that Kobe to Shaq lob, I mean, listen, I'm a writer. I could not have uh, created out of my head. Nobody, no, The best screenwriters in America, and I'm not that, um, <laughs> the, the most creative uh, novelists, I don't think it could have scripted a better encapsulating moment than Kobe to Shaq in that lob. They already had, I think it was a three or four point lead the comeback had already been completed in a lot of ways, but that was this dagger. That was the fatal blow to the Blazers in that game. But it was also this moment that I felt like sealed the Kobe Shaq partnership. They'd already been kind of up and down as a twosome and as a team. But that moment, the the emotions of that moment, the intensity of it, the way the crowd responded, the way Shaq responded, the way it, I, I think it just galvanized this Lakers team. Like, if everybody believed they were going to win the championship at that moment, it's because of that moment, right? Like that's where the confidence I think amongst the Lakers and of, and of Laker fans comes from is like, Oh man, this is it. Like these guys cannot be stopped. And even though we know the next couple of years had their own bumps along the way, especially with Shaq and Kobe. Um, and they flirted with disaster again in a seven game series in the third year of the three Pete against the Kings in another conference finals. But that to me, everything traces back to, the lob, the Kobe to Shaq lob, I think encapsulates pretty much that entire era. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. So, you know, you you watched that, you know, covering the team. Obviously, Rob, you played in it. I watched it as a just a fan and observer of, of the game and, you know, lo- a lover of the game. And I'll tell you, for me, that was the, that was absolutely the moment. That was the moment when I believed. So let's take a quick break. Say goodbye to Howard for now. But he'll be back in part two when we give out the series awards. When we come back, it's time for game one. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DK Hoops for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800Gambler.net. In New York, call 877 8 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY 467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're back here on NBA Finals File. And Rob, let's go ahead and jump into game one, which was basically a nightmare for the Hall of Famer Reggie Miller. But the conversation on this has to start because really this series was all about Shaquille O'Neal for me. Uh, and, and I mean, no disrespect, obviously a lot of you guys contributed, but I'm talking about his physical presence because he was the most physically dominant player I've ever seen. And that's not taking anything away from Will Chamberlain or any of the, or any of the prior big men that came before him because I, didn't, I wasn't privileged to see them. But game one of this you know, for me was all about Shaq absolutely enforcing his will on the Pacers front line. And, and pretty much doing you know whatever he wanted out there. When he gets the ball that deep, it's too late. He will punish you. He's the most dominant player in the game. Off to a terrific start. You, know, you talk about dominant. You know he was the most dominant player to play the game. I, you know that's it's when we say dominant and talented. You know it's two different things. The fact that you had to send four or five guys at him to stop him shows you his dominance. Rick kept saying to me, Rick Fox kept saying, <laughs> "They're not doubling the Shaq." And I kept saying, good, and stop mentioning it <laughs> before they hear you. And they saw why you should always send three and four people after. And I think this series was was going to be hard for them because they didn't have Antonio Davis from the previous season. You know, that would have gave them some extra muscle. They just had, you know, Dale Davis and Rick Smith. When you look at the Indiana Pacers, they're not a team that has great depth on that front line. You're talking about a Dale Davis, a Smith, you come in with Perkins. Other than that, they don't have the big bodies to be able to waste those kind of fouls. They have to be very careful with that. And the other big that had Sam Perkins, you know, he's a three-point shooter. He wasn't the guy that handled the physicality. So they were they were going to be in trouble. They was going to have to figure out a scheme to how to stop him. And in game one, they didn't really know how to stop him. They was trying to play him one-on-one. And he just straight up dominated big time. Shaq has just dominated. It's like a man against boys here tonight. The MVP, the look in his face. The man wants a championship to finish this season. A lot of teams have come up with strategies in defending against you, and none of them have worked. How would you defend against yourself? I wouldn't. I would just go home. <laughs> I would fake an injury or something. And can you speak to the mindset, you know, of your mindset heading into this series? You know, considering you split with them in the regular season and especially coming off of what was a, a bit of a grueling battle with the Blazers. 
Yeah, we, we were we were battle tested because of that series with the Blazers. And the Blazers was a team that knew the triangle to a T because Scotty was on that team, Scotty Pippen, and he knew exactly what we was running and how we were running. And so that kind of threw us off kilter. But now we were going to a situation, even though Phil had came from the East and coaching the Chicago Bulls was still running the triangle. And um, the Pacers was familiar with this triangle. So we were a little bit worried about that, but they didn't really handle the triangle like we had the triangle. I mean, we had a dominant big and not just two outstanding guys on the perimeter. So when you look at this matchup, we knew it was going to go to Shaq early and often, and that's what we did from starting from game one throughout. Getting into the action, it was interesting to see Jalen Rose score the first bucket of the series, only to have Kobe go right, you know, right back to the baseline on the other end with a turnaround over Reggie Miller. Kobe to the baseline. Here's his turnaround to tie the game. What a tough shot. It was really kind of a fun reminder of the competitiveness that he had, but you know, from the start, you know, it just wasn't something that started with you know number twenty-four, Kobe. You know, he he was that entering the league. Yeah, Kobe was. I I, I remember when I got traded to the Lakers and we going through a shoot around, and shoot arounds when you're a vet, you don't even want to have on your shoes. You want to have on your slides, and Kobe's going a hundred miles per hour doing shoot around. He because he's a man. This is we we we're doing a walkthrough, right? We're like, yeah. So in the games, we don't walk through it. So we got to simulate it. Like they were like, no, young fella, we 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 don't do it that way. But that was just his mindset. He wanted to be battle tested. He wanted to be ready. And he came out each and every night trying to be ready because he had just put in the work in the in the locker room, in the weight room to prepare for every moment on the court. And then on the very next play down, Shaq, you know, basically the Shaq attack started. And not to be anticlimactic at the very start of this one, but it was all it was pretty much all over, you know, but the shouting at that stage. And now Harper looking for Shaq, who takes it in deep. And you can't stop that. Ron Harper finds Shaq on the block. He drop steps on Dale Davis, dunks it over the top of Rick Smith, and got the foul. Rob, I'm not even being hyperbolic about this. And I I actually think that we should add Shaq's drop step. To that group of all but unstoppable moves when he had you know when he had it rolling pretty much like the skyhook do you agree with that I, I totally agree with it and it's not like most big men who operate on one side he could operate on both sides he got to the left block he could do what he wants to he got to the right block he could do his jump hook so you know he was dumb because when he spent on you and he got his body on you there was nothing you could do but either foul him and get dunked on or just let him dunk and get out of the way and hope that you can get him back on the other end so he was just straight dominance in the paint like we said o'neal puts it down and it's 11 first quarter points he's on his way to a 40 point night and in that first quarter, you guys almost doubled them up. You had ended, you know, 33-18. And as mentioned, the game was pretty much, you know, pretty much a route after at that point. Reggie Miller goes one for 16 from the floor. Was that a matter of strategy or was just one of those crazy nights where you know, he just couldn't make a shot? Miller for three. Way off. And a whistle on the rebound. He is now one for 14. And there's nothing worse than being on the road, having a kind of game that Reggie's having, and then having to be in that city for two more days before you can play a game. That's all you're going to hear on TV, the radio, the newspapers. But Reggie Miller, we know one thing, he will bounce back. He's done it so many times before. Making it worse, though, for Reggie, this is his hometown. He told us yesterday, I'm not taking calls from any friends. It's family only. Family gets the tickets. All other requests get a deaf ear. I'm focusing on one thing and one thing only. These I think if you, if you look at who Reggie Miller is as a person, as a competitor, he wanted that game so bad. Hadn't been to the finals. Playing in his hometown. I think he put too much pressure on himself. When you watch guys play and you see them like 
searching for shots, stressing out, trying to do too much instead of letting the game come to him. That's how Reggie was in that first game. He didn't let the game come to him as normal, and he didn't seek out shots to get himself going. But after we saw he shot one for 16, we was like, oh, Lord, we're going to be in trouble because when a guy goes one for 16 like that, they normally come out on fire the next couple of games. And, you know, honestly, Rob, that's an excellent point because I hadn't even thought about that. And you know what? For the listener's sake, we sometimes, as, as fans, we forget. And I know this is going to sound crazy, and I mean no disrespect. You guys are human beings. Like he's in his hometown for the first time in his yes. field, you know, in his first you know, opportunity to play in the finals. But you here I'm watching it saying like, man, what's wrong with Reggie? You know, like what what's what's the matter with him? You know, the the, yeah. the, the human element of it is, yeah. and, and that, that's one of the things that I appreciate most about having these conversations with you is is definitely key. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that there's a little thing called pressure. That can affect some people. And when I say pressure, that don't mean people can't handle it. But I've seen sometimes pressure makes you try to do things too much, gives you too much adrenaline. You know, I love to say, you know, you know, pressure can bust a pipe or make a diamond, right? And so you're either going to be either or. And I think Reggie in that game, the pipe burst on him. But next thing you know, he turns into a diamond. So you have to you have to look out for things like that. And that's the part that people forget that athletes are human beings. Absolutely. So Mark Jackson was actually really one of the, the, the few bright spots for the Pacers in this one. Mark Jackson backing in, slipping Bryant and scoring. He puts up 18-7-5 while shooting 6-for-8 from the floor. The Pacers put, you know, they, they did try to claw back into it. You know, they got to within six in the fourth quarter. But once again, Shaq came through and put it away with another dominant fourth quarter. This game is in the refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights are out. The eggs are pulling. The butter getting hard. The jello is jiggling. This is going to be a name I feel like we're going to mention a couple times throughout the show. Austin Crozier. Sam Perkins misses the three, but Crozier is there. Very versatile player, Crozier. He has outside range on his jumper, quick first step, and after putting on 20 pounds lifting weights in the offseason, he's rugged enough to do some dirty work inside. He was really good for them off the bench in this one. He had 16 and 6. Yeah, Austin Crozier was their X factor because throughout the season, he was in and out of the lineup. Um, He wasn't playing much, and then next thing you know, here comes Austin Crozier taking Chris Mullen, the Hall of Famer minutes, taking Derek McKee, my former alumni at Alabama, taking his minutes because that's what that's what it's about. You you have to learn the game. And sometimes it it the light switch goes on. I think for Austin, the light switch went on for him and he was just killing in this series from after this game. Austin Crozier. Wow, he has been really aggressive. They've gone to him in that low post, and whoever's guarded him, he's been able to get the advantage. What a big lift off the bench, Bob. He's been for these Pacers. Absolutely, and on your side of things, you know, Shaq, this is ridiculous. He tunes him up for 43, 19, and three blocks. Kobe had 14, Harp had 12, Rick Fox had 11 off the bench, and then you spread it around a little bit. You did a little bit of everything. You had six points, four boards, three steals, and a block for good measure, and the Lakers end up taking game one, 104-87. Well, the Lakers showed no after effects of that amazing come-from-behind win against Portland. I think the biggest concern was, were they going to have a hangover? Shaq did not let that happen tonight. He dominated from start to finish. Big game one victory here for them, Bob. Yeah, I I love the games, but I don't have to play that much. (laughs) In this game, roll around to the fourth quarter. You know, this is a little inside information right here. I used to always go to the starters and tell them, I don't want to play in the fourth quarter. Because we had this thing where AC Green would start, mm-hmm. and I wanted us to be up by so many points, 
when I didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. I'm not one of these guys. I'm not going to try to go get some stats. I care less about stats. I care about the dub and, you know, preparing to rest or sort of or, or what's saying this day, day and age, load management on the bench. So I used to tell those guys, I don't want to play in the fourth quarter. <laughs> well, honestly, I, I'll be, I, I can understand that. And, and this is something that I probably should have mentioned at the start. You know, you came into this series while, yes, Shaq had some finals experience. You came into this series with hardware. You had made runs already, so I, I can understand you, know, you you bringing that mindset and kind of instilling yeah. it upon the team. Yeah, that's the thing about, you know, even though I was still in my 20s at the time, uh, I, you know, everybody says, you know, it was 20,000. You was about to be 30, but who cares? I like to think I was in my 20s. And we had, we had some championship pedigrees on the team. Ron Harper had won with the Bulls. Mm -hmm. We brought back A.C. Green. A.C. Green had won championship with the Showtime Lakers. B. Shaw and Shaq had went to the finals when they were in Orlando. So it was some championship experience on our team. So I think that that, that was why we were battle-tested and we could perform during the playoffs. Shout out to Spider Sally. We're we, we, we going to show him some love too, right? Oh, man. Spider was just <laughs> over there collect the check, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. We're down one zip. We don't want to be down two zip, so I think there's a sense of urgency. All right, let's go into game two because this is the game where Kobe goes down and, you know, Shaq once again goes off. Indiana came out firing in game two, you know, which definitely was expected following, you know, the, the game one drubbing that you, you know, that you guys handed them. Reggie gets on the board first with a mid-range jumper, which absolutely had to feel good coming off that one for 16. Here is Miller. How long will he wait? Not very. A very different result. And you can feel the hush in the Staples Center here. They know what this guy's capable of. He can electrify his team with his shooting. That's what they Rob, need. have you ever had a night like this and you know, where you simply just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn? All the time. I'm asking it because I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm asking it. I'm asking it because I want to know what you know, possibly what Reggie's mindset was coming into this. One. Well, you know when you're uh, uh, the, the the top dog of a team, and you're gonna get your shots. You don't even think about it. You just say, okay, that was a bad night. You're gonna have one out of 82 games, and this is a playoff. I know everybody's like, oh, the spotlight's on you in the playoffs. You you can't have those games. You're human. You're gonna have those games, and I've had them throughout my life, throughout my career, and you just brush it off. You forget about it as an athlete. You have to have a really good short-term memory. You almost have to have amnesia sometimes when it comes to you. Got to forget about it because there's the next game. The next game is always always the most important game. They came out here to win one game. This is their game tonight. They got their backs at the wall, and they're gonna play a lot of energy. So build yourself up to what this game is gonna demand. So they the Pacers actually held a 12-7 lead at the start of this game. Fast break goes to Miller. Miller underneath, lay it up and in. That's a beautiful play. We've got a different ball game. Right from the get-go here. And I made this note because I don't remember really seeing this very often. They they had Phil calling an early timeout. Did he do that very often? No, he did not. The thing about Phil is he was so into us figuring it out for ourselves because he was like, if you can go out and, 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 and get yourself composed and do what you need to get yourself back on track, I can sit over here and relax. And for us, when he hardly ever called timeouts. Um, you can go back to previous series against Portland. He would sit down. We might be, they, the other team might be on a 10-2 run. He was like, figure it out because this is going to be who you are. This is going to define who you are where, in, in other games because you got to think about it. There's times when you, the team goes on a 12-2 run or something like that. You might need that timeout for later. So you got to figure it out for yourself. And veteran teams can figure it out. 
That's exactly where I was going to go with it as a follow-up. Is it a was it a matter of he simply knew that you guys had already put in the work prior to this, so you you guys should have been able to figure it out, or was it also a combination of just understanding that you know he could he could respect the fact that you guys have been there before, so you should be able to. Uh, you know, he he respected the process. He respected the guys he that he, that were on the court, and he says, "Okay, you're smart enough. You've been in the league long enough that you know that it's about a game of runs. Um, find a way to stop a run." You know, pull it out. Cause you could see Harp. Ron Harper was our veteran leader on the court who had been in the triangle, had won championships on the field. He would literally just hold a ball and point and get everybody in directions, almost like it's saying to everybody, take a deep breath, calm down, now let's execute. They wait now for Reggie. They clear him out on Harper. Still got it. Now the dribble. Now the baseline. For the layup. Good. And Miller explodes for six quick points. This is a different Pacer team than we saw in game one. The pride has surfaced. So Kobe shows his versatility just inside the 645 mark of the first as he blocks Mark Jackson on one end and then he sheds Reggie before jumping in the air to draw Rick Smith so that he could dump it down to a deeply rooted shack for an and one. Here's Bryant, six on the shot clock, Reggie defending, Kobe finds shot, powers off for the dunk, plus the foul. Rob, can you just, can you please just describe what it's like to face Shaq in the post, particularly when he had that post defender on his hip? You know, I, I had faced Shaq previous years in 95 in the finals, and he was dominant then, but he was a whole nother beast at this moment. He had got stronger. He had got faster. So you got guys on on the Pacers that aren't used to this. You know, you can try to emulate Shaq in practice, but there's nothing to it until you really get out there and feel him. And Shaq was the type of guy, once he got in that circle, that charge circle, you might well get out of the way because unless you grabbed him, and held on to him tight, and that still might not work, he was going to go up and dunk on you. And so Rick Smith's not the strongest guy. We know how strong Dale Davis was, but it was just a battle for them to try to stop Shaq. I'm not going to lie. I actually felt for him in, in this series. <laughs> so then Kobe rolls his ankle at the three-minute mark you know, as he comes down on Jalen's foot after a jumper. Why the fire from the right wing is good. Kobe goes down his ankle straight. Kobe's hurt. He's writhing in pain. That's bad news for the Los Angeles Lakers. As they hold their collective breath at the Staples Center. This is not good, folks. There could be trouble in River City. First, what's going through your heads, you know, as it's, as it's clear he can't continue? You know, it's, 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 we thought maybe he just tweaked it and he fell because we continued to play. You know, we went down and they actually shot it. We went back, we went back down and it was like, okay, because Kobe got up. You know, most mm -hmm. times when guys are hurting that bad, they're going to stay on the floor. They got up. He tried to run back down, but then, you know, he just he couldn't do it. We had to foul and get him out there. And I was like, oh, Lord, I saw. I hope it's not bad. Hope it's just mild. Hope he can go in and tape, retape, and come back out. But the good thing about that is we had started the season without Kobe that year. Um, he was hurt. And so we had been used to playing without him. So we had that experience. And that's the good thing about having a guy like a Glenn Rice, who was a former all-star, who could come out there and, and take over. On the outside, they move it around. Rice, yes, the great ball. And you know, he will go now to pick up the scoring slack with the absence of Kobe. That's the good thing about having a veteran like a, a Brian Shaw and A.C. Green and a Ron Harper, who all had that, that pedigree of being in the play, playoffs. So we wasn't worried. We kind of got together and said, hey, look, we got one of our key players down, so we, we got to pick it up. Uh, they're going to sense that they're going to have an advantage because Kobe's out. But we had to turn the tables on that. 
Rob, was there any part of you guys that thought that Jalen might have done that on purpose? I know that he's a, he's kind of acknowledged that after the fact, but I mean, in the moment, was there any thought of that? Uh, in the moment, we didn't think about it. And then you go back and look at the tape because we watched film and we saw it and was like, did that look like he did that on purpose? After this is when rules start changing because Jalen just didn't do it to to Kobe. You can see a lot of guys the way he played. You know, I played with a guy named Bruce Bowen. You know, that was just the way he played. He, I don't think he did it on purpose, but when he would contest, he would do that. And he stepped under a lot of people too. But it was just some guys, that's just the way they played defense. You know, I don't think they had any malicious intent behind it, but sometimes it happened. And yeah, man, that's terrible. I mean, that's terrible. You, you Honestly, as a fan of the game, you never necessarily expect to hear that. But then again, you guys are competitors. I can I, I, I can see, you know, folk, sometimes folks will go to extreme lengths. Yeah, but not that extreme. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So it's tied at 60 at the midway point of the third, and it stayed that way for pretty much, you know, most of the quarter. But when the last minute, it, it kind of felt like Shaq flipped the switch once again. He swats Big Sam Perkins on one end, then he makes a twelve a turnaround 12-footer on the other end. Then he starts the fourth with a drop-step layup over Perkins once again. Now Perkins inside, but here's Shaq. You can see it coming from our vantage point, even if Perkins didn't. Shaq was closing ground on him. There was no way that shot was going to see the rim. Perkins comes down and banks in a three on the other end, only to have Shaq come right back down, back him up under the basket, it, even before you know receiving the pass from Brian Shaw, and he dunks it over the top once again. O'Neal, turn around, got it! But you know what? That's not a layup, and that's not a dunk. I mean, really, it, 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 not to beat a dead horse, it, there really just wasn't a good answer for Shaq at this stage in his career. Uh, it, it was. As his MVP year, he was showing his dominance. He was trying to get his first ring. There were so many things that he had on his mind that he wanted to do for this team. You know, he wanted to carry him to the promised land. You know, he was that type of guy that had been there before, tasted it, but didn't get the full satisfaction of that. And now he was able to, he could see it. He could see it coming down the pipe. And he went down and just dominated those guys in the paint. The Pacers, to their credit, they did keep fighting this one. Bad pass to Fox. Crozier's got it loose. Austin Crozier picks it up. Goes for the layup. Yes! Those are the hustle plays that the Pacers must have. Indiana has answered every challenge that Lakers have made. But ultimately, it was too a little bit too late because you caught a pass from Shaq along the baseline and basically just flipped, you know, casually just flipped the ball over your head for the bucket and the foul. Fox waits O'Neal in the paint. Jump pass. Ori scores and fouled. Beautiful delivery by Shaquille O'Neal. Putting the Lakers back up six with a minute to go. Well, can can you can you walk us through that play? Why were you being so casual and so cool about that? Uh, man, it's just a reverse layup. You know, you, Shaq was an excellent passer. Um, people don't give him enough credit. How he didn't mind passing. He will look for you on the cut because he knew if he hit you on the cut, not once, not twice, but three times, that was going to open up for him because nobody was going to leave us. And and he found me on the baseline. A little flip of the wrist, and, you know, it was in, you know, just a flip of the wrist and the bucket goes in. But, you know, the thing about that is we always talk about Shaq and his dominance, and he was the one that helped us uh, each and every day get better because it's we always think about point guards making the people around them better with their passing. You know, Shaq, that's what he did because we fed off him, we was able to cut off him, and he was an excellent passer. And now the Pacers are under fire. 42 seconds left. Fox drives the layup. Yes! And foul. Rick Fox puts it in the ice box, folks. 
The two teams basically just traded buckets in the final minute, and your Lakers wind up taking it 111-104. And even without Kobe Bryant, the Lakers will take a 2-0 lead to Indiana. And Shaquille O'Neal brings the crowd to its feet with a big smile. Time for one more break before we get to Game 3 when the series shifts to Indiana and the Pacers face a must-win Game 3. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG dot com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're back here on NBA Finals File. Rob, let's go ahead and jump into Game 3 because this is Reggie's revenge. So, Kobe's out. Yo, you guys are facing a team you know that's going to be desperate. They're trying to avoid going down 3-0 you know, or 0-3 in the finals. I guess it, it, it depends on your perspective. What's the tone in the locker room, and what was Phil Jackson's messaging heading into that game in Indiana? Um, it was no Kobe, no problem for us. You know, We had started the season off without Kobe. We said we're going to miss him. But we got capable guys that's going to fill his role. You know, Brian Shaw started that, started that game. He's a guy that has a 
great rapport with Shaq when it comes to doing the Shaq Shaw redemption is what they call it. That means the alley-oop to Shaq. So we didn't, we didn't really worry about it too much, but we knew Reggie was going home. And our key was to try to, you know, keep Reggie at bay, keep him off the three-point line, make him a driver, and and, and pretty much not let uh, Austin Crozier get off even more because those were our two keys. We even figured everybody else can get theirs, but those two guys were like our focus in, in game three. So with Kobe out, it looked like the Pacers were focused even more on pushing tempo whenever possible. I mean, for obvious reasons, you know, and they got off to a really good start in this one. Jalen sends it down low to Perkins, pass to the cutter, and Miller is one up. Get counted! And he's got an anger on, folks. He's finally found an enemy. Reggie was back to his normal self. Jalen was good for the Pacers at the start once again. And they were really dictating pace throughout that first quarter, and they were playing like their proverbial playoff life was on the line. Reggie for three. They were up pretty big in the second quarter, but a 10-2 run punctuated by a dunk on the break from you, of course, off of Fisher Pass. It's a three-on-two break, and Ori is there to finish it. That's what I was talking about now. It's down to seven. As strongly as Indiana has played, the Lakers are making a push. That's what great teams do at the end of quarters and halves. It was 15. The Lakers are on a 10-2 run. It got you guys back to within striking distance. So they're up 11 at the half. Now I'm wondering what, so you told me it was no Kobe, no problem going in. What's Phil's halftime conversation with you guys like now? You know, Phil was always trying to keep light of the situation. He was like, we have them right where we want them. You know, and think about it. We only scored 15 points in that first quarter. It's not That hasn't been us in, in the first two games. So we wanted to come out and just focus on Reggie because Reggie is that guy that know in his building, he's extraordinary. So we were really worried about him. Of course, we were still worried about Jalen Rose because he was that guy that's the second, well, was a leading scorer throughout the season. But at the time, you know, he was like the Batman to uh, Robin to um, Reggie Miller's Batman. No ball pressure. Get up on him. Don't go right. Jay, 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 Jay. Go get it. Go get it, Jay. The Lakers have 10 turnovers. Here comes Rose. Jalen, all the way. And you can we were just saying, just focus, stay out of foul trouble, just keep pounding inside the shack and knock down some shots. We got to find playing some games. Good feet moving. No layups out here. Shaq, you gave him stud. Reverse out. He can't guard. You can reverse out so high. And you guys definitely tried that, but it was honestly more of the same in the second half. It Honestly, it just felt like they were hitting you guys in waves. If they weren't knocking down timely shots, they were really pushing pace and running whenever possible. Unbelievable. Lakers coming unraveled. You know, Reggie winds up putting up 33. You know, Jalen, you know, to your you know, to your credit, as you just mentioned, he chips in with 21 as well. But I actually want to talk about this guy because Travis Best gave Indiana some really good minutes throughout this one. Travis Best puts a halt to it. That's a big hurt for Travis Best. We talked about his struggles. He's got a layup here in the game. Now the little jump shot. Someone might look at that box score and say, oh, okay, he scored 14. But he scored 14 off the bench and he hit some key shots at moments when you guys were trying to get back in it along the way. Can you speak to Travis Best in his game and what it actually might, you know, let's have some fun. What would Travis Best look like in today's game as well? Man, in this day and age, Travis would be a beast. Um, he's a crafty player. He got great handles. He can shoot it over the top with the best. I mean, there's so many times I thought that Shaq was going to block his shot, but he got it up and over Shaq, off the glass, into the into the bucket. Best again. Good again. Best. Don't get me wrong. Fish 
is a heck of a defender. And he was footstep for footstep with Best, but Best was getting the best of him, so to say. And I think when you look at uh, situations like that, you know, sometimes better offense beats better defense. And he was Travis Best, Austin Crozier, Sam Perkins, those two, those three guys off the bench was providing so much firepower for the for the Pacers. And then from the Lakers side of things, you know, Shaq did still have 33 and 13. You know, you got some nice contributions. Harp, you know, threw in 14. You spread it around again, 10, 7, and 6. Fish had a nice double-double off the bench, 10 and 10. Uh, but it really just felt like you were missing the second half of that one-two punch. Yeah, you know, when you end the finals, you have to have a, a one-two punch. And with Shaq being there and Kobe not being there, we missed that because if you look at Reggie Miller and, and Jalen Rose, they came out with uh, 54 points between the two of them. Ball poked away. Reggie wins the race to it. And Miller's got it on the steal. He's going to pull up on the arc and let it go. Fire a three. Yes! Reggie Miller! Look out. He's dancing. He's prancing up and down, waving to the crowd. And so when you got your two top dogs scoring like that, half your points for the game, you got to have another guy who can get 20 plus points. And, you know, not no disrespect to anybody on our team. We just didn't have a guy who could create like Kobe Bryant could and to get his own shot. The Pacers have cut it to two games to one. And these Hoosiers can't wait for Wednesday night. So the Pacers end up taking this one 191 in an effort to make a series of it. And, you know, of course, we got a series now. But on that note, let's go ahead and wrap up here. But don't miss part two when Kobe Bryant becomes a superstar and Howard Beck comes back for our end of series awards. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.